Why did you ask me to accompany you, sir? I needed an engineer. The ship's full of engineers. Giorgio's an engineer. An engineer I can trust. She thinks I'm useless. She's concerned for Michael and lacks the self-awareness to control her behavior in such an unsettled state. We are introducing ourselves to the future. You, Hanson Tilly, are a wonderful first impression. Welcome to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike. I'm one of your hosts. And with me is Johnson, my co-host. How are you, Johnson? I'm not too bad today, actually. Yeah, I I think all things considered in terms of what is going on in the world and on every new site, I'm actually doing okay. What about yourself? Yeah, I would say that today is one of the days that I feel the most normal out of recent times. So... That's good. I, I that's, slept, that's positive. slept well last night. So you I, didn't wake up screaming in the middle of the night. I did right? not wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Okay, but, that's good. Um, positive. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely positive given, like you said, the state of the world right now. Yeah, totally. So given all of that, I think we should shake things up and go talk with Deanna for a few minutes. What do you think? Sure, that sounds great. Let's go dish with Deanna. Come in. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. So it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded. And a lot's happened. And we wanted to share with our listeners what's been going on. We were going strong for so many weeks even releasing two episodes on some weeks for you guys. And uh, suddenly Discovery episode two came out and poof, we disappeared. We did. No one knew what happened to us. We just Uh, fell off the face of the planet. We did. And um, so we thought we'd share with our listeners a little bit about what's been going on. So um, do you want to give a little bit of an update first? Yeah. So... You know, I think that we've both been having a lot of just family issues uh, for myself just last week. Um, I think I've mentioned it before in a previous episode, but, you know, my parents are a little bit on the older side. I don't know if I'm if I talked about this extensively or not. I probably mentioned it at some point, but I don't remember. But my dad is in his mid-90s. Uh, my mom is in her mid-70s. She's younger. <laughs> But, uh, you know, she's not like a spring chicken, you know. So she is essentially my dad's caretaker um, for all intents and purposes. And essentially last week um, on Wednesday, she just literally she woke up and she couldn't move. Like she could not get up. She could not walk. Um, And it's just been an accumulation um, of just aches and pains over time but it just got to a point where she could not function um she literally had to call an ambulance to take her to the hospital because she was in that much pain and fortunately uh, a few relatives like a few family friends and relatives came they live in you know they live like an hour and a half away from me so it's not that close um not too far but not too close um i found out I started my work day and found out through my parents' neighbor that she went to the hospital. I was like, what the F? I was like, why am I finding out from like a third part? Like, it's not even, th- it's a fourth party. It's like my, my parents told family friends and then family friends told the neighbor and then the neighbor told me. And I'm like, why am I so down the line? And I was like, what? So I had to basically you know, like tell my team, hey, like my work team, I got to go home. I don't know what's going on with my parents. Uh, I couldn't get in touch with my mom. 
my dad, I think someone's taking care of him, but I'm not sure. Um, so I went home, uh, I got there and there were a bunch of people there. Um, and essentially, yeah, I had to like, you know, help out with my dad, figure out like some short-term care solutions, go see my mom in the hospital. It was like all this stuff. Um, and I was also just juggling. There was a lot of stuff going on at work. So I was juggling that. Um, and I just did not have the time bandwidth or energy to even think about the podcast, um, that particular week. So I was home for five days or so, um, just helping to take care of what was going on, um, making sure that things were just okay at home, helping my mom get discharged. She got discharged a few days later. She's at physical therapy. She's, they're both doing okay. My mom is doing better. Um, my dad isn't as, you know, well as he can be, I guess, like he's doing okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's been, you know, that's, that was the drama that was going on in the past week and you know it's it honestly took up all my brain space um other it was like either that or work so i would i would be like dealing with the home stuff and then i would like be slacking with work people and then i would really start working at like seven and then i'll be up until one like just like writing decks or whatever so it was just like crazy um but things are better now things have settled down um, still dealing with some of that stuff, but yeah, that's been my past week. So yeah, you know, just, uh, dealing with old age. Like I said to you, Mike, once I start getting old, I just want to be thrown in a ditch somewhere. Just kill me and throw me in a ditch. Don't tell me if it's happening. It's like, what, it's like the episode of DS9 when Quark tells Garrick to just kill him. Cause people were like after Quark and Quark was just like, just kill me. Don't tell me it's going to happen. And Garrick's like, Hmm. And the Quark's <laughs> yeah. like, mm. you know, Quark gets a little nervous that Garrick's really going to do it. And he's like basically like screaming every time he turns a corner because he thinks Garrick's going to be there to kill him. But I want that. I want, I want like Garrick to kill me in my sleep and I wake up in the divine treasury and I don't even know how I got there. I want it to be that good. But my, but the truth is my body is in a ditch somewhere. There we go. So yes, that's what, that's what I want to happen when I start getting old and okay. my body starts to function. And I said, so. and I told you, I should, I told you once you make me power of attorney, I'll make sure that all those things happen for you. So there you but go. You need to also like, you also like me, need to make sure that I'm like dead before I get thrown in a ditch. I don't want well, to be clearly, alive. Clearly. Get in a ditch Cause that is about to all. Well, of course. You know? that, yes, of course. No one would want yeah, to wake so up the, in a the ditch. dead part. The dead part is a prerequisite to the yes, dead. absolutely. Just so well, clear. Well, that wasn't anyway, morbid at all. That's my update. That's my <laughs> update to Deanna. <laughs> Thanks, Counselor Joy. Right. Yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? Well, I, you know, so similar things. Dennis's mom has been really sick, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was really uh, touch and go for a while. So it's uh, been a huge stress, and I think. That's made it easy for Dennis and I to understand where you're at and you to understand where mm -hmm. we're at because dealing with a, a parent who's dying is um, or sick or severely right. sick uh, is is a huge challenge. And, uh, you know, Dennis's mom is out on Long Island. That is, um, you know, a, a good hour plus away Not from close, us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were dealing with that. Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, that, that was, you know, really touch and go. We really thought that it was going to be over. And, um, yeah. so yeah, so we didn't really, I didn't have the bandwidth for that either. And then on top of that work is going a thousand miles an hour mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and then, so this was two weeks ago when we were both kind of dealing with this all at once, like, mm -hmm. and then obviously last week was kind of the the lead up to all of the insanity that we are currently in that's true. Uh, yeah, where we're we are still waiting on the results of an election and uh it's been crazy uh so yeah it's just so much going on in the world and in our personal lives not to mention that all three of us work full-time mm -hmm. and so trying to balance all of those things at the same time is an incredible feat. Yeah, it's a lot. 
So no. yeah, we did not. We took a, 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 a needed break from the podcast because we just we wouldn't have been able to give it any any energy or focus. I mean, I couldn't focus on editing um, or even thinking about what clips we were going to use or anything like that. So, I mean, in fact, I probably have to go back and watch the second episode again just to... It feels like forever ago. It does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now, uh, since today... Did you get to watch episode four today? I did. I slapped oh, you my you did. immediate yes, yes, reactions. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, um, yeah, so we, you know, we're, we're two, two episodes later and we've still got a lot to cover, which we're going to cover this weekend when we yes. have some time that we can dedicate uh-huh. to episodes three and four, but, uh, we wanted to, we were, did record this episode right before all hell broke loose in our lives. So coming up next, we're going to talk about Far From Home, which we recorded two weeks ago. But if you are a little bit behind on your Star Trek viewing, you want to know that we are going to talk about spoilers, just in case uh, you haven't already watched episode two, Far From Home. Uh, do that first and then come back and listen to this episode. I don't want to hear anybody bitching about spoilers. I will stab that person. Right. Because my it's, mind. it's also two weeks ago. What do you call pain? I call foreplay. Should we dive right in? Yeah, let's get into it. What uh, what did you what were your what were your first thoughts for the episode? My first thoughts. Um, so I liked this episode. You know, I, I mentioned this to you over Slack as I was watching the episode, but I enjoyed this episode. I mean, it's also like it's another setup episode. The first episode was also set up, so they're both set up episodes, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I did enjoy this episode more than the first episode personally, because I really like the crew as a whole. I like Michael, but sometimes the show, when the show just focuses on Michael, I don't think it's as strong as when it's showing the camaraderie and the friendship of the crew together and working together to solve a problem. Uh, like some of the best moments in this episode. It wasn't even that, it had good action, but honestly, like some of the more intimate moments like between the characters really made it for me, whether it was between uh, Stamets and Culber, between uh, Saru and, and Tilly, you know, like there, there were just like these small moments that really did it for me um, that I, I've missed, honestly, uh, the past 18 months. You know, we haven't seen that in a while. So it was really nice to see that. Uh, versus last week, it was all about Michael, her, you know, discovering a new planet, her getting acquainted with a new character. But sometimes, you know, Discovery, I, I do think the one thing about Discovery that sometimes I do have a gripe with is that it can sometimes become the Michael Burnham show. Um, and the thing I think that has been really strong about most Star Trek series that I've enjoyed is showing, showcasing, obviously you have a lead, um, you know, whether it be, usually it's a captain, but where it's really strong, most of these shows is when the entire crew um, plays off each other. And, you know, that's where the character building happens. Um, sometimes the show, just the, the issue that I have again with Discovery is that Michael Burnham becomes like the center of the universe. She's like the crux of, you know, whatever, like the, the Federation claim on war. The Red Angel, I'm sure the burn probably is going to, I'm sure Michael Burnham somehow, somehow connected to the burn. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, she's like, it's too central on her sometimes. So it's very refreshing when it's really just showing the crew and everyone's important. Everyone has a hand in things. Everyone has a voice. Everyone contributes. And um, that's why I think the show really shines. But what did you think about this episode? Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. No, I'm kidding. I, I, yeah, I agree with all of all of that. This is really the USS Discovery show this week, and we get to see the full crew. Everybody has a role. Even Linus showed up, which is great. But then he just he then he ghosted. I don't know what happened to him. Like Giorgio was like, "Oh, come with me. You you can see a lot of the spectrum, right?" And then he was nowhere to be found. I don't know what happened. Right. Well, I, well. Linus. If I if I remember correctly, though, Commander Nan talked to Linus, and Linus said that 
Giorgio had come down to engineering to help out Stamets and uh, Jet work on oh, things. Oh, I thought that, I thought she was like, go down to deck eight to help them out. And then Linus was ashore and Giorgio was like, all right, we're going together. And then they just did not get they never got there, there was there was that and i think they went there then when command and oh maybe oh oh i see what you're saying now now yeah they never yeah. Show, i don't think they ever showed up yeah okay yes you're right you are right uh, I, I, well i only watched it once i'm going through my second rewatch so we can get clarity on some of the details but i think that's what happened yeah you you are right i i guess the one thing that about discovery that i don't know and as much about or is the the deck layout the layout of the show you know the, of the of the ship so um but yes so going back to it I, I really going back to my overall thoughts just i loved seeing all of the cast having a role in this from the doctor to hugh to stamets and reno i Reno, I felt like was, a, you know, I almost felt like she should have been in the show opening credits, just like Rachel Ansherall, Commander Nan was. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I enjoyed it. She was, she was, she brought a good, strong presence. Like she's a good balance to Saru, who's much more soft spoken, uh, except when he tries to rally the crew. She, she's kind of the voice of, of every man. Uh, every woman every person on the ship saying you know um i'm hurting and complaining and like mm -hmm. all of that uh and i really love the banter between her and sam it's like that that was a central piece of of late last they season this, like, they have this like hate hate relationship it's yeah great. yeah so yeah. yeah i really enjoyed it i thought that the the it was a great and again this is part two right of the opener kind of like the premiere like the two-hour premiere of the 32nd century and now we're a year later in 3189 so very exciting that for you know we were jumped we jumped ahead another year so who knows what michael burnham was up to for the whole year looking i know for... i thought it'd be longer but i guess a year is sufficient yeah i mean i actually thought it was going to be shorter i when it, after we stopped recording last week i thought that when she I mean, said hair is so much longer yeah sure 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 yeah of course um one of the things that i thought about though was when she sent the red angel back to send the last signal yeah if you remember in the season ender last year yeah yeah, yeah. it was four months it was like 126 right. days so that's mm -hmm. how long i thought the difference would be between the discovery oh. arriving and michael uh but clearly i was wrong it Literally, was a year i was incorrect. incorrect it's been a year and mm -hmm. uh here we are uh you know yeah. some questions that i have what happened to detmer yeah they kept on teasing it and like clearly something is wrong with this woman and everyone's like looking at her i'm like why <laughs> like something is clearly wrong like everyone is just think like oh are you okay and then looking at her weird and then she looks out of it yeah, and like, all right, does this not warrant further investigation? You're just gonna let her wander around the halls and right. take command of the, you know, take command of the helm. Like, she's not well. Yeah, yes. there's definitely something going on with her, and and I'm gonna throw in a little speculation. Maybe something from control got inside of her. Oh, I was thinking about that, but I really don't need that. I don't, I don't need, either. I, I, I don't I, need control back. I don't either. Uh, I was thinking that because she has some like artificial like implant. implant. Like, I yep. don't need control yeah, back. But please, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the questions I had for this this episode for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Giorgio. Uh, she oh, clearly... So Oh man, I I would even go far to say she's a bitch in this episode. Like it's great. I love Michelle Yeoh. I, I do. I hands down, I love Michelle Yeoh. Absolutely, she was all fired up and really like almost too much. I felt, you know, I I think Giorgio is a great character. I, I think especially Emperor Giorgio and her trying to fit into this universe. But man, she was tough and really well. Um, I think that's when Saru was talking to Tilly and when Tilly was like, she 
she thinks I'm worthless. And then Soru was like, well, you know, she's really, she's just really worried about Michael and she doesn't know how to process it. So this is how it comes out. You know, she just gets, she just basically sublimates it through aggression. And I think it's true, you know, like, um, like later on the bars, you know, the bar fight when she was yeah. in a, you know, like, I was like, she would be justified, honestly, blasting him. I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have an issue with that. Uh, but she was very aggressive, like, you know, when she was on Discovery, like, you know, because she was, she was like, she wanted to contact Michael ASAP. So it made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, but I guess I, I missed that or that was just kind of implied and never really stated uh, yeah, right. be, uh, that Giorgio was missing Michael. Like, I think Saru filled in that detail. He Giorgio did. never said that. Like, she just, no, but I think that's what Saru was saying. Like, she's not good. She's not very self aware. So she's yeah. not good at processing, processing the feelings, yeah. you know? Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, once we get into the bar, like it was kind of, I, I kind of for, could see that coming. Like it was clear that she was going to end up in the bar, not because of the promo pictures, which did make sense after the fact. Uh-huh. Uh, but definitely, you know, I thought that if anyone's going to show up out of this, it's, it's Giorgio. And of course she's going to kick ass. This is her you know, a bar is, is her home, I know. you know, being in the middle of a bar fight, of course, you know, so I, you know, I thought it was really well done. I, you know, she was definitely uh, playing, playing up her weakness or playing down her weak, you know, playing down. I her mean, she strength. totally got caught on purpose. Oh yeah, then, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She was like, totally, yeah. This is all planned on her part. So, uh, yeah, but she has some good lines. Um, she, I don't know. They give her, they give her really some really juicy lines. Her and Reno have some like really nice nuggets in there. Yeah, they do. Uh, certainly the one about uh, pain is foreplay for yeah. for her. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah, I was not surprised at all that she she was in the middle of that bar and that it would soon be just them standing. Like there was no question about that. It was. You know, it was kind of a given and which is kind of rote and kind of boring a little bit, but it's always fun to see Michelle, yo know, kick ass. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You can't uh, deny that they have good stunt choreography. I mean, compa- yeah. especially compared to like original, like TOS. Like, oh, you know? yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. It's come and, a long way. And she does her, I'm sure she does some of her own stunts. She does too. a lot, I think, if not all of her own stunts. Yeah. So, um, She's very nimble. And I think you, you told me she's 60 years old. She's, she's old. Like, but, but she is not old. Like she, yeah. I don't know. She takes care of herself. I don't know what she does. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's um, amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, so speaking of Saru, what did you uh, think of about how he played out in this episode? His character played out in this episode. He took command. He was confident he yeah so uh, i think on the goal that's a good I felt question. like he was wiser and older he let tilly kind and, of ramble um, on and just mm-hmm. kind of accepted it he knew that the crew yeah, wanted I to get outside was, and find out where they were and when they were and instead kept them yeah. focused on fixing discovery which was wise uh he led the away team you know i'll i would say like excellent first officer material like that would be that that would be like a Spock, Will Riker. Like I think for for me, he really solidified himself as the Spock, the Will Riker slash data of of discovery. Like the first officer, the the next, you know, the person to lead the away missions, the leader among the people kind of situation. So uh, by saying that, do you feel that Michael should be captain and he should be first officer? Yeah, I, I do. I th- I think that that's probably where they were going with this all along from the initial spec of this show to the end, because this is the first show where we didn't focus on a captain, uh, where I was surrounded by someone else. And I think that's the natural progression at this point is that. See, I don't need I don't need Michael to also be the captain. I, you know, you I know, think. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, I, I, I really don't need that. I, I don't need. Uh, you know, like the thing I really liked about, so I mean, like everything you mentioned um, for this in this episode as to so like he was just 
he he knew how to just deal with the situation, take command, and still employ the Federation's values, you know, and he stuck his ground. And I really, I do like this new non-Fear Ganglia version of Saru. Yeah, uh, but I agree. I, uh, but I thought he he seemed very natural in command. And personally, I I think I would vouch for him to be captain over Michael because I don't think Michael needs to be captain and the center of the universe. Like, please. Like, she already has enough labels. Like, oh my God, she's the freaking red angel. She's the instigator of the Federation Clan War and captain of the US Discovery. I don't need that. Okay, I, I mean, and I, I see that and I... I... You know, who knows? I mean, we don't know what this last year has been, uh, whether they'll find another captain on a down starship and bring them into the crew. Who knows? So it's very possible that she she may not be. Um, but she does have the reason also why I say that is because she has a year's experience now in the 32nd century. And I think that that's mm -hmm. what why she'll become captain is because she has that experience and she has that knowledge of or she can be a consultant <laughs> she's not going to be a consultant she's part of the command structure she was this was her track all along right you know she was months before the klingon war she was a few months away from being promoted to captain of her own ship so I, she's a natural leader. And I think that that's just, uh, you know, obviously all these things have kind of waylaid her in different ways. Uh, but I think this is the moment for her to become captain simply because she's got the experience in the 32nd century now. And, and I think this crew is going to need that guiding force, not as a first officer. But I also think that there's a strong possibility that Michael and Saru will co-lead this ship um i know that they'll need to be they'll need to be someone who's captain but i feel like out of all the out of all the iterations in star trek i feel like this crew especially this bridge crew this is a crew that works together and i think that that part of that reason is uh pike pulled that together because lorkerson certainly did not do that so mm -hmm. uh, i think pike really set them up to be a team and a a all moving in the same direction and working together. So who knows? But, you know, I, I think that we're kind of progressing towards that. Also, I will, I will say this. I mean, a strong black woman in command of a starship, I think is not only a symbol for the 32nd century, but also a symbol for the 21st century. Uh, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of ride for five minutes if she becomes captain, because I'm, I'm all in on team Saru, but sure. No, I, and I'll, you know, I love, it. I love Saru. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I guess I'm looking at it from the writer's standpoint, like the whole idea of this journey, this hero's journey type uh, adventure that we're on. And, and she's really been on that hero's journey. And I think that leading the discovery is, is the next step, but I'll be happily surprised. I'll be happy with anything. I'm not, this isn't a, for me, this is not a show where I feel like I need to predict the future or um, I'm along for the ride. Like I feel like out of all the, out of all the iterations of Star Trek, I am a crew member on the USS Discovery and I'm the going along. Crew member. Yeah. Um, although I did catch in a shot some, some, uh, people in the background on the bridge who were not who aren't part of the main bridge crew so they you know obviously there well, yeah, are I mean, they're, they're definitely randos yeah absolutely yeah uh and so and, we do know and, that there are 88 and and gene, and gene. hazmat yes who <laughs> is who no who's an ensign who's listed in memory alpha as an ensign uh, oh he is a, yeah yeah oh has he appeared in other episodes no no i don't believe oh. so but okay. um but you gotta love reno for just dismissing him completely i know poor gene uh, yeah uh Especially, i think he's kind of cute but he only had one i mind. did yeah i don't um yeah i don't have a strong feeling about his cuteness factor to be honest with you it's okay it's all right uh, i'm um, still so i'm i'm still i still think wilson cruz looks great as hugh culber looking good in his dirty 
bloodied white uniform. I know who decided that they should all wear white uniforms, especially when it's such a messy job, whatever. But, you know, uh, shall we talk a little bit about our favorite gay couple in Star Trek? Sure. Sure. Uh, A lot of great character moments with the two of them. Uh, Two very strong personalities going back and forth. And once again, Stamets doesn't listen and does his own thing and is bleeding out into Jeffrey's tube. I know that was kind of dumb, but I'll probably, I, you know, that's honestly me though. If I was injured and I just wanted to get something done, I would be the one to do it, you know, regardless of the consequences, because I know that I can do a better job than anyone else. <laughs> Even though you're <laughs> lulls, bleeding all lulls. over the, bleeding all over the Jeffrey tube. Uh, yeah. But I love their back and forth and, you know, no matter how hard Hugh comes at him, like, I'll get you grounded if you don't stay in this for one cycle. Uh, you know, you better live so I can kill you. Like some just some great lines uh, with this very uh, tumultuous relationship that they've had. Uh, and having watched the second half of season one again recently and now going into season two and knowing what I'm coming up to, which is kind of the rebirth of Hugh Culber and, mm-hmm. and that whole uh, piece, uh, everything that they've been through, it's nice to see them back, uh, back to their normal, you know, snippety snappity selves. Um, yeah, I feel they kind of need a break, like as in like they need some downtime as a couple because it's been nonstop. Yeah, it has. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, they they need a vacation. Need some on Risa. They need a, um, they needed yeah. some time on Risa for sure. Yeah, some alone time because yeah. it's been it's really been nonstop. Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Shall we? Any? What else do you want to? Well, should, so we we have we meet the coordinates. Well, I was going to ask you what you thought about this alien planet that we're on, and I guess also the inhabitants. So I thought that, again, so if I if I thought that this was a character show, which it was, this is also a huge special effects visual episode as well, crashing through these. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. It, it totally reminded me of um, Timeless, that Voyager episode. Yeah. and And also it reminded me of Generations. Where oh they, yeah so, well boys the large episode was also like an icy planet true oh that's true you're right yes yeah yeah um yeah the, the crash at least three and three was like lush lush true yeah it was trees that they uprooted in in this case it was yeah, yeah. icy rocks and nice. whatnot but yeah you're right so this is more timeless but again like wow like that ship the visuals around the the crash landing were amazing uh, the world yeah. that they crashed on with these floating rocks. Very uh, Avatar. Very Avatar, yeah. Uh, also, according to Tilly, they were decahedrons, I believe. So they're they're Inside artificially in. made, apparently. And then she also mentioned, which also came out in the conversation between Zaref and Cal or, Cal or, Osir, or Osir. Rando A and Rando B. Yes, the um... <laughs> <laughs> we're never gonna see them again. Well, we continue. don't know. I mean, dubious, but continue. Yes, true. Uh, you know these pockets of air. So this is an interesting planet where there's pockets of air, not it doesn't have a complete atmosphere. It sounds like so. Zara threatened uh, the bartender's family. Or or Cal's family, I forget, or both. He threatened everybody, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, of course, of course. And I think this is what we're going to find in this thirty-second century universe is a lot of these little despots showing up and taking control of their area. And mm. I think that you know, taking preying upon people who are. Uh, who are weaker, who don't have the resources. And right. uh, so I think that part of this season, I hope that we'll get to see part of the season is kind of restoring peace and justice to the universe. Yeah. Uh, 
to the universe. Um, what did you think of the planet? I thought it was all right. It was, it was very, like you said, it was very special effects heavy. I was like, I was definitely like, this is Avatar. Um, the parasitic ice, I was like, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's not really ice if it's an organism, but I'll take it, I guess. Um, that was interesting. I mean, the visuals around that were really interesting. And, you know, I think in, in this world where you didn't want to introduce a new, too many new characters or situ, situations, the planet being the, it's a little the problem. Yeah, the planet yeah. was the enemy of discovery, essentially, mm-hmm. in this episode. Uh, you know, aside from Zara uh, being kind of like the local drug lord or whatever you want to call him. What yeah. do they call him? The... He's, he's a courier. courier yeah yeah it seems like the couriers are kind of the big bads of the universe sort of galaxy right yeah now. yeah and they mentioned the tellerite which i'm wondering if they met the meant the planet that michael landed on because they mentioned the tellerite exchange oh i did not recall that so yeah i definitely i i took your advice and i had uh Closed captioning it really, on. It helps a lot. It does. It helped me pick up the coordinates um, as well. So yeah, I was I was paying attention to the little details like that, so that made sense. Although I didn't know that the uh, maybe it's the Caridian Caridianites Caridianites. I don't know. I don't know. They're very we're horrible at pronouncing names on this show. Apparently, they're also made up words. They're made up species. It's <laughs> not even a real word. And they've only appeared what, like once during Enterprise or twice during Enterprise. Yeah. Minor, minor yeah. species that we'll probably never see again. You know, I did, I did feel for and get to like Cal because he he's the one that rebuilt their communications transceiver, transistor, oh, or whatever. And died. Yeah, yeah, I felt that like that was because he wanted. He also he, made that connection with Tilly. He made that connection with so. Tilly. He wanted to be Starfleet. So he had, you know, he oh, had yeah. dreams. So there, there are some like dreamers out there about the the universe and and Starfleet, whatever Starfleet's condition is, yeah, is in 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 this century. So uh, I, I'm excited to see more. You know, we've seen two planets, three planets, if you you know, and we've seen very very few different species. We still don't really know the lay of the land, which is also why I think after a year in the 32nd century century michael is going to be the captain because she's familiar with what they're and what they're up against i guess well i do that's one thing now i'm i want to see because now we know where michael is now we know where the discovery is and where the crew is but now what's next because that's the that was a big the two big questions going into the season right where are they you know are they going to find each other when are they find each other and now that they found each other what's the next what's the mission you know, what, what are they going after? Are they just trying to, you know, like I know the larger mission here is to revive the Federation, but what does that mean? You know, like what's the next step? So that's what I'm very curious about. Yeah. Um, and I kind of go back and forth on this. I just thought of this, but I, I like it. And I like how the episode was ended, you know, with the surprise thinking that there was another vessel coming and it was, the big, bigger, bad, rather than Zaref, it was the bigger guy, you know, the next guy up on the food food chain. Open a channel, Mr. Bryce. We will face whatever or whomever has come for us together. Channel open. On view screen, please. glad it was michael but i would really have loved to have seen a like a cutaway scene of uh sahil finding the seeing the discovery come into existence and alerting michael and like sort of uh, fulfilling that that role of uh i forget chief communications officer or whatever um 
So it would have been cool to kind of see see that. But I understand why they did it. It was a surprise. I really did think that we were going to. I was not expecting Michael to come at the end of this episode. So I'm glad that that happened because I didn't need the reunion to be dragged out for like half the season or something. Well, no, I, I don't think it would have been dragged out for half of the season. But yeah. well, the search for Spock dragged out for half a season. It took forever to find the guy. You mean the movie Search for Spock? Oh, season two of Discovery. Remember? They were oh, almost, yeah. They almost got it, but yes. like <laughs> just in a get away. That somehow eludes the Discovery. I'm like, oh my goodness, how fast is a shuttle and how hard is this to track down this guy? It took forever. Forever. You're right. And just because of the way you said the search for Spock, my mind went to the movies rather than... It was a search for Spock, though. Again. It was. You're absolutely right. They should have called the first half of that season, for last season, the search for Spock. You're absolutely right. It was right. the first search for Spock because it happened before Star Trek II, the search for Spock. The first time Spock was searched for. Yes. Yes. Okay. And took forever. There we go. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> that's my tirade of, of the hour. That is your tirade of the hour. Well, shall we do a quick character corner focus here? Sure. Let's do All it. right. Number one, you said we'll burn him aboard the Senju. What is your assessment of her abilities? Tignataro, who plays Jet Reno, played a big role in this week's episode. And she was delightful. She really I really was. like her a lot. I feel she uh, really brings uh, dynamicism to the crew that is just so different in terms of energy. She's great. She's kind of like the the Giorgio that is actually Starfleet versus the Giorgio who's clearly not. Yeah, uh, like instead of killing people, she's just really salty. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, exactly. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we learned last season that she had a wife who died in the mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. And um, she's had this back and forth with Stamets. Uh, but and Saru actually, well, you, she said, you you watched season two most recently. It's been forever since I've seen season two. What is the beef between them? Like, why are they kind of just salty with each other? So Jet comes into the engine room, I think, in episode two of season two, and she's fixing something, and they just immediately, you know, any Samitz was always very proprietary and protective of his engine room the spore mm-hmm. drive and everything. And she comes in to fix something, fix a EPS conduit or something like that. And uh, that's sort of where it began. I think she invaded his, she, uh, he didn't recognize him just like almost exactly like how he treated uh, Michael when she first came into the engine right, room in season right. one, you know? So I think that that same sort of thing, he just, he, his default is I don't like anybody, especially new people. And so they just have, and but she doesn't take any of his shit at all. Uh, she just dishes it right back to him right, right from the start. So I think that this, you know, and you, you see this dynamic relationship between them in this episode, right? This very mm-hmm. feisty back and forth, like, no, I'm not. My, my spine is telling me, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'll sit here and keep you company, but you're going to do it. And, uh, you know, I, she has a lot of great one-liners, but I want to back up for a minute because she had she also played a great presence on the bridge. And it seems like she's the chief engineer. I mean, I don't know what her title is exactly. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like how Colbert is not the CMO. She, I, right. Like, right. Just, yeah. Yeah. He's just a doctor. But neither is Dr. Pollard, which is interesting. She's not I don't the, know who the chief yeah, medical officer is. Yeah. Actually. We I don't think we've ever met that person. And we've never met the chief engineer before either. Because I actually think now that I remember, Jet says the chief engineer sent me to fix this. And, and so yeah, so we have these we have these chiefs that we never see and don't know. And I don't know if if the writers are missing that or if they're trying to flatten the flatten the structure, you know, mm-hmm. the flatten the leadership curve the hierarchy hierarchy. Yeah. Thank you uh, on the ship by doing that. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, she has some great one liners. Uh, it's a drug stalking at the towards the yeah, end. Yeah. Uh, I forget what she calls Stamets. 
at that moment but uh and and hughes like bobcat what did you, oh bobcat is it bobcat like, i think yeah oh yeah like, that sounds about right and and he says what do you call her it's the drugs talking yeah yeah so yeah i think she had she she brings the Giorgio factor but it's sarcasm but it's the feistiness that really none of the other crew have. Not even, you know, everyone's super nice on the Discovery for the most part. And so it's it's sort of Jet Reno and Giorgio who are kind of the, you know, the uh, spicy ones, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I think she she's a great addition to the, to the crew uh, from her interview on the pod directive, which we both listened to this week. Uh, she is she's enjoying great. Yeah. She's I great. think I would like her in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never seen any of her stand-up, though, have you? I have not, no. So I kind of want to look. I think she's maybe she's got something on Netflix. I have not. Um, but yeah, I, you know, obviously she's a member of our family. Uh, she's uh, a uh, lesbian woman who's married, has a wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, she does a lot of work with her wife um oh, so they yeah they both i mean in the interview they talk about like they do some projects together they they are working on Ooh. some things i didn't so, i i think i have left 10 minutes 10 minutes left or something. okay yeah so yeah it was great to great to see but she's enjoying being a guest star and not a member regular. of regular yeah, sure. yeah no desire yeah and i mean so half of the interview on the pod directive was about her struggling with the techno babble but i was like you don't have that much techno babble in this episode this is easy but we're also not we're not her <laughs> right yeah and she's not us so yeah she did go into depth talking about the, like the EPS manifold or whatever. Yeah, but also like just the fact that she feels bad whenever she messes up and everyone's so nice to her about it and they just yeah. help her. Uh, but I thought that her lines, specific, especially on the bridge, were just spot on, like well delivered. I, you know, just really, she really did a great job. And, uh, you know, it would be, you know, I'd love to talk to, to uh, Tignataro and just get her take on this, but, you know. Maybe one day when this podcast is big enough for her to care. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, never yeah. know. Never know. So, yeah, so that's uh, anything else about Jet Reno we want to talk about? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I totally, for, I mean, I, re- I remembered when, I listened to the pod director interview, but I'll be honest, I totally forgot that she is a lesbian in real life and in character. I, I totally forgot about that. Um, but I, I like that they don't really make a big deal of it on the show in any way. Like when she first uh, in, in season two, uh, I think she had a heart to heart with Culber because, you know, Culber and Sam was their relationship was rocky and she had like a she did had a talk she went to, but, with a splinter she went to the sick bay with a splinter in her finger right right as an excuse to have a conversation yeah and uh they didn't make a big deal like oh you're also gay you know like it was just very natural like yeah like my wife and i are like this and you and stamets are like this too and you know we need to, you know, these are the people that we're attracted to and these are, these, this is how we need to deal with them. You know, like, it was just like, it was very natural. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal that they're both LGBTQ, you know, it um, was just like, whatever, you know, this is how it is, which I really like. And I, and we've talked about it before and I, I just put it together when you, you mentioned it, but this is another role where we have a lesbian woman playing a lesbian role Mm -hmm. and so i i think that's great i think that we you know hollywood needs to continue to do more work in that direction and i i hope to yeah props to star trek uh for doing that kind of casting choice yeah exactly yeah yeah well great um any other thoughts on episode two or part um, two of the two-hour, thirty-second century introduction movie. If we were, to... uh, I think I touched on everything on my notes. Uh, I think honestly, my biggest WTF is Detmer and what's going on. 
Yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a big question. One of the things I think, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, we at least know, like, there are only 88 of them on this crew. Right. Uh, you know, so not a lot of hands to work on that big starship. So uh, that, yeah, I think that how, how many uh, crew members that they have previously before they made the jump? Do you remember? I don't. I, I want to say at least there's more. It was like 150, more. maybe, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the crew complement of a crossfield class starship is, but no idea. Yeah. But they did give everyone the option of, of leaving. And so 88 people decided to stay on board. 87, <laughs> if you include the alien with the big weird head that died. Yeah. I was like, what's that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they died. Uh, so we did see one death in this episode but mm. you know i thought it was a a well well written episode like lots of some action lots of character development great special effects i think it like checked all of the boxes for me as an enjoyable episode and and really highlighted what this discovery family is all about and I, it was yeah. great to see see the crew it was definitely them. more of a character episode than a plot episode. You know, there, not much really happened. It was really more about them kind of settling into this new situation they're in and how that affects their dynamics and such. Yeah. I guess we should wrap it up. So if any of our listeners have any thoughts or questions about episode two of Star Trek Discovery season three, you can reach us through email at deepspacepride at gmail.com. You can also reach us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at deepspacepride. But I think that does uh, that, that about does it for this week's episode. Yeah, sounds good. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.